Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Possible. 
as well as the two guests that I named and a surprise guest, I guess. We'll be also touching on a couple of baseball nuggets that I have, some baseball, some football real quick, and then we'll talk about the basketball and hockey playoffs that are coming right around the corner. And one last nugget about the Masters, my favorite yeah, golf good, tournament. Good luck getting to all that, sir. Good luck. I will try. So our first topic of the evening is WrestleMania 29. Obviously, definitely, maybe. It was a pay-per-view that I felt uh, fell flat, um, not on all on all cylinders, but uh, fell flat in terms of the main event. And we bring in right now our very own from onslaught, online onslaughts, Mr. Pyro Falcon, sir. Welcome back from the uh, you know the abyss, you know shutting down your email, Twitter, and all that good stuff. Welcome back. WrestleMania is over. Give us your uh, overall thoughts, and we'll just try to break down some matches too. Yeah, good evening, guys. Um, uh, I pretty much felt the same way you guys did. Uh, the ending fell flat. There was basically one and a half matches that were interesting, and that was yeah. it. Uh, for me, uh, it was more, you know, the social nature of the program. I was hanging out with friends, drinking my Orange Russians. It was a good time. Wait, wait a yeah, second. Wait a second. Itself. Pyro, Pyro, wait a second. You have friends? How is that possible? Just a couple, man. I'm not a big Rashad radio guy like you are, DJ, so, you know, oh, well, I don't have my you know, hundreds of thousands we, of Twitter followers. We ended up watching uh, WrestleMania with a bunch of people who we would not classify as friends, I, I, you know, just a, a bunch of friends of a friend, basically. So I don't I know see. how many friends Joe and I have, but it, it was good stuff. We should have invited you, but, you know, of course, you live about five states away. Yeah, that doesn't really help. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, the the main overall impression I got with WrestleMania actually happened the next day because I was uh, at my day job, and I have a few friends there who are, well, acquaintances who are kind of wrestling fans, but not really. They don't watch it all that closely, but they're aware of it. And I and they asked me how it was, and I found myself saying that the, the Undertaker-CM Punk match was great, and that's it. That's all I said. And I realized if that's all that's worth talking about, it's probably a pretty crappy event. It certainly wouldn't help casual fans come back or anything. The only thing I have to disagree with you, Pyro, since you mentioned that match first, we'll talk about that, and I'll get Dave's take right after mine, um, is that, and I think Dave will agree too, uh, because we discussed it, in, uh, not at detail, but the fact that this match, it was a good match, but there was no clue, no inkling that Punk ever had a shot. There was no use of maybe Paul Heyman or uh, the urn as much as we thought that would be. You know, a couple of headshots with the urn might have, like, made us somewhat believe that CM Punk had a shot. But that the match was good. I just didn't think that CM Punk ever had a shot to beat the taker. They, yeah, I agree, with, I, I agree with Joe. Um, not to cut you off, I totally agree with Joe because I felt – I didn't think there was drama to that match, you know. I think that it was a good match. I don't think it was as great as everybody everybody gives it credit for and it's hard to follow up the last four years of, uh, of WrestleMania's with The Undertaker and, you know, DX, basically. But what I, what I didn't like was that the burn was used once. I thought he was going to use it over and over. I thought maybe the ashes would come out, something to the effect of you really thought that he had a chance to, to win. But I never at any point felt that there was even a, a slight glimmer of hope that Punk had, unlike the last four years with the, the aforementioned uh, Degenerate. That's true. Although, honestly, with the last four years, I never thought... No, I'll take that back. Other than Shawn Michaels, Undertaker won at WrestleMania 25. I've never thought they've had a chance for to, to stop Punk. I mean, stop the Undertaker streak. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, for me, there wasn't much drama in the match, but there hasn't been drama. For me, um, and I know we disagree on this, but for me, the streak sells itself. I like the whole deal with it. And, you know, I I really enjoyed it. And plus, honestly, I kind of liked it because there wasn't any of that extracurricular crap. They kept it clean. 
you know, relatively. Um, you know, Heyman only got involved once, if I remember right, when Sean Super kicked him in the face. And, uh, you know, it just it kept it relative. Wait, I'm mixing up matches, aren't I? Sean was at Brock. Still drinking Dude, white Russian. Really, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe I've had a few too many white Russians that day. Okay, <laughs> let me back up. But, yeah, they kept the match relatively clean. There wasn't a lot of extracurriculars. Um, and, there's, you know, with modern WWE, there isn't a lot of that anymore. There's always people interfering or non-finishers or whatever crap. So I enjoyed it and uh, let Punk get out and get some rest because he apparently needs it. The uh, the next match I want to get to is um, not the main event because that was as vanilla as it could get, except for I guess the ending with the finisher after finisher. But uh, you had the the street fight, the no holds barred match between Triple H and Brock Lesnar. I thought this was the best match of the night. I thought both guys delivered a great match. You felt like it was um, gonna you know it could go either way, but you knew that Triple H's career on the line, so you had a feeling that Triple H was gonna win. The thing that I just learned as I was signing on to my computer is that. Triple H actually suffered second-degree burns from his entrance. I don't know if you two gentlemen know that. I didn't, and that's funny. I, I shouldn't <laughs> be laughing at that, but that is extremely funny. Yeah, Pyro, do you remember when he came out and he had, like, cream on his body? That ended up causing second-degree burns. We were all wondering what the hell that was, and then it turns out yeah. that it was some sort of dry ice that, that uh, stuck to his skin, and he, he tweeted a picture of it. And, and it looked pretty nasty. I mean, second-degree burns are nothing to, to play around with. And Dave, right. your, thought, your thoughts first, and I'll get to Pyro since we're all in different locations. What did you think about the grudge match between these two? I thought it was good. I, I hate the fact, you know, and and this is this is something that I got thrown out there. I think it was uh, Monday morning. I was actually like seven o'clock or so. I woke, I woke up extra early to you know before work, and I was uh, I was working out, so I was watching um, on Netflix the 100 best moments in raw history, and um, you know my point being. There's a part with Bret Hart and uh, and Steve Austin. You know, they're, they're doing this thing. They're going back and forth. They're fighting, et cetera, et cetera. And something struck me, of course, the night after WrestleMania. I said to myself, and not that Triple H needs to be made a star, so I want to make that point clear because he already is one, but I feel that WWE doesn't know how to book proper. That That's my problem with the whole pay-per-view, you know, in general. But this match specifically, why did Triple H have to win? When the when Steve Austin and Bret Hart fought, the the feud that made Steve Austin a superstar. Pyro, do you know how many times Steve Austin defeated Bret Hart in their feud? I actually don't know. Joe, do you have any idea? And, and I, I know you know the answer, but you know, but don't give it away just yet. Go ahead. The answer is zero. Steve Austin never defeated Bret Hart in any match. He lost them all, and he became a megastar. He lost at WrestleMania 13. He lost in his singles matches. He lost match after match, but the feud made Austin the legend that he is today. Obviously, you know, it got him going. And I don't like this WWE mentality of we have to trade wins back and forth. You know, again, I, I'll repeat what I said in my uh, my preamble, what I recorded uh, for the, the program on Wednesday of last week. When Hogan and Rock fought, Rock won both times. This goes to Rock and Cena also. Why do these guys have to trade wins? I just think it's ridiculous. You can make a guy, Cena could have gotten over without winning, and he could have, you know, done immense things for his career. He didn't need to win the title for a 15th time. Rock and, and uh, Triple H, again, great match. I, I enjoyed it. I love the Kimura lock. I love the fact that Brock kept powering out and trying to move his arm and stuff. It's just why did Triple H have to win? And it drives me nuts. I, he should have lost my opinion, maybe it shouldn't have been a career-ending match, 
but there was no need for, for uh, Triple H to go over in this match. Uh, Brock, who's been in WWE, and he has just lost match after match, basically. It's just, to me, it devalues him as a performer. But, uh, Pyro, let's get your take on that, sir. I think um, with this specific matchup, the situation is different. I mean, you're talking Austin Brett. At the time, Austin was on his way up, but he wasn't the biggest star, as, as you said. Well, yeah. I, and I think with this specific matchup, it comes down to story more than anything. Um, although WWE, to me, wrote itself into a corner. By making it a retirement match, you don't give Triple H that room to lose unless he is actually retiring. Right. So, you know, that, I think that was a major misstep, just like the, the misstep with uh, giving Rock the title and making the Rock Cena match about the title. You know, that's just a writing misstep. Um, if they hadn't put those stipulations on there, then they would have had more room for the story. They could have done different things, you know. Uh, I, I, I really, I mean, I looked at it, and I think just because of the plot, they couldn't go any other way with those two matches. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, but that's, a, that's, that's what I was saying, you know, before uh, I, I tossed it over to you. That's what I didn't like. I didn't like that they wrote themselves into a corner and just match, you know, as a match itself, you take away that retirement stipulation and Brock should have won. You know, I don't think that Cena had to win. Cena, the whole redemption thing, I don't know if you guys thought this, but for a second, when he was doing the, uh, he went for the people's elbow, the rock, you know, turned it into the rock bottom, whatever the case is, when he stopped and he looked at the crowd and he did that smirk, you know, I, I thought maybe finally he's going here, which of course he did not, but that would have been a perfect spot for him to lose the match again to make the same mistake he did the year prior, and then he goes nuts. To me, the perfect ending isn't, and I get that they're never going to turn him heel, but it bothers me because, let's be honest, guys, the crowd hates Cena. The crowd in New Jersey crapped all over him. Everywhere he goes, other than Massachusetts, people don't like Cena unless you're a woman and unless you're a small child. And I know that that sounds sexist, but it's, it's, guys don't like him. Guys are not a fan of his. Not because he's he's un, totally untalented, but because the way he's been shoved down our throats for the past ten years, really for the past eight years, because at the beginning when he was a heel, people were into him. But anyway, I digress. My point being, you want him to you know be interesting. You turn him heel there. You have him beat Rock into oblivion with a steel chair. The Rock ends up getting injured anyway. He could have written himself out of the storyline for the next six months because Cena, after losing again, totally flips out, totally goes nuts. That would have been perfect. And then seeing him with the title, to me, totally sucks the life out of the company and uh, my interest in it, you know. So that's what I meant as far as the whole, uh, you know, the, the structure of the matches go. Oh, yeah. I mean, I agree with the, with your, uh, your with your argument in principle. I mean, uh, the writing of WWE has gotten crap since the uh, Attitude Era, and that has, you know, rubbed off on everything else. A lot of the problems with WWE isn't the guy's talent. It's just the way management is dealing with them. And, I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to make excuses for him because, you know, it's not like I am totally kiss WWE's butt every chance I get. But, right, right. you know, at the same time, uh, this is what we're dealing with, I guess. And I, I don't know, maybe I'm just numb to it at this point. I, I don't have any uh, optimism that things are going to get better, regardless of Punk's promo heard around the world, you know, two years ago. That It sounded like back then that things were going to change, and we've seen they haven't. So, right. I don't know. One one of my biggest gripes about that match was not even, the match itself without the storyline was a pretty good match. I thought it was, uh, you know, the ending. When, when somebody kicks out of somebody's finisher a couple of times, I always think that's fun to watch and compelling. The thing that makes no sense to me is this whole 
like Dave said, they're shoving down Cena's face uh, down our throat, uh, him being a face and being the rock. And then they they even shove it more to our face after the match when they're doing this whole quote-unquote pass-the-torch moment when, uh, as far as I'm concerned, you know, how do you pass a torch to somebody that has more title reigns than you do? So it made no sense to do that that whole, like, lovey-dovey thing like Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan a la WrestleMania six. It was completely uh, unnecessary. Absolutely. Uh, they just the fact that they again going back to the writing, just the fact that they turned it into a story of mutual respect instead of mutual hatred or just even just wanting to beat each other. You know, just the competition of it, making it about mutual respect doesn't make for compelling TV, especially when, as you said, both guys are stars in their own right. Cena certainly doesn't need to win, so why even bother? Yeah, well, that's the thing that gets me is, like I said, going back to my point, people don't like Cena. And, you know, Pyro, you go all over the country, people do not like this guy. Uh, you go to Raw over in Ohio, they're booing him. You go to a Raw in Jersey, they're booing him out of the building. You go to a Raw in Florida, they're booing him. Most most wrestling fans are men and adult men or, or teenage men. And we, we're not his fans. It's not the fan base. The WWE is, is pumping this guy up giving him 37 title reigns, you know, I, I was explaining to my brother, my brother's in Wisconsin, he's not, you know, he's not really able to watch, but I started talking about John Cena, and even he, he hates John Cena, and he's like, why is this guy, as a marginal fan, why is this guy being shoved down our throats and being given the title again? It just, it just bugs me, and like Joe said, you cannot pass the torch to somebody like that. When Hogan passed the torch to Ultimate Warrior, it failed, but it was legit. When Hogan passed the torch to The Rock, it was legit. And in this case, you can't pass the torch to, to John Cena. It just Cena already has the torch by default. You know, regardless of what, he's the biggest superstar of his generation, whether we like him or not, which, of course, we don't. And, you know, one thing I have to throw this out there is one of our cohorts on 1640 said this, and I'm going to rip just about everybody in 1640 today, but that's besides the point. You know, when people say stuff like, oh, you know, how can you – how can you say John Cena sucks when he works so hard? Yeah, he really sucks, and he does all this, and he play, he fights injured, and he does this. Who cares? It does. I don't have to like John Cena because he's hardworking. I, do I respect his work ethic? Absolutely. Do I think he's a guy who, in terms of his business uh, acumen, is good? Absolutely. Does John Cena know about wrestling? I'm sure he does. You know, yeah, his his wrestling probably cost him his marriage, and et cetera, et cetera, which that I don't respect. But why does it? Why do I have to love the guy because he's a hard worker? The guy's not a good wrestler, at least in terms of what he portrays on television. He, his character is as stale as can be. Joe, that promo he cut on Monday, I was falling asleep and I had just turned it on. The only part of it that really got me going was when he he kicks his heel and he says the heel turn thing. But that was it. Everything else, I even told my wife who was watching it with me and who's sitting next to me right now. I, I looked at her and I was like, "What's the point of this?" You know, he was just babbling on and on. But when guys like Dave Rosenbluth or Ken Reedy or whoever it is say, oh, you got to respect Cena because, you know, how can you hate him? I don't care. I don't care. If Ken was here, I'd super kick him in the face. If Dave was here, he'd get a pedigree right through a steel chair onto the concrete floor. I don't care. I don't like John Cena. I don't have to like John Cena. When I was a kid, I loved Hulk Hogan. I loved him. I thought he was great. But he And, and Cena is our generation's Hogan, yes, except without any of the charisma. Hogan could charm the pants off of anybody. He had charisma. John Cessna, as my cohort on my phone might say, has none of that. He doesn't have that charisma. He does the fake, you know, dial it up ten notches and, and 
fake intensity. Was, it just drives me nuts. And my point in all of this is when I look at the match, when I look at Mania, when I look at the fact that he's champ, to me, my interest is gone. It's lost. I have no interest. If The Rock had kept the belt or if he had been injured and Cena had gone heel, you've got my attention. With the same old thing and Cena being champ again for the fourth, I think the 13th time, or I think the 11th time WWE champ, whatever it is, plus his heavyweight title reign, I just can't bring myself to watch it. And I know that I've got other things that I can do, but it, it shames me as a wrestling fan because I cannot get into it. I had no time That's to... The problem. Or, oh, sorry, Joe. No, I was just going to say, I had no time to research this, but is there any... I'm sure you gentlemen might know... But um, like they said, though, uh, he comes out on Raw the next night and, you know, he cuts this promo. And then who do we have as a first challenger is Mark Henry. I mean, to me, that's just, just bad all around. Mark Henry is not legit, even though he beat Ryback, which to me might make sense now, maybe if he's, if Ryback's going heel, wants that title. But uh, John Cena comes out on Raw, cuts a promo, interrupted by by Mark Henry. Is he interrupted by Mark Henry because The Rock doesn't show up on Raw because he's apparently quote-unquote injured? What's the story on that? Well, what I read, and this is this I had read before, and that this was planned out in advance. What I don't get, Pyro, and, and you know, you can chime in on this part, if this is true, if the rumors are true and this was the plan with the, the Ryback feud that we're going into, then, and they knew this in advance before The Rock was injured, why did they have Ryback lose at Mania? Because if he loses to, to Mark Henry, right, his first WrestleMania match, he's lost like five pay-per-views in a row, what possible threat can he be to John Cena at this point? He's lost every major pay-per-view in the last five months. When has John Cena ever lost five pay-per-views in a decade? You know, And when I look at that, that overall picture, I don't see Ryback as a legitimate challenger. I know people talk about he went heel. I don't think he went heel. The crowd was into it. The crowd loved it. You know, he kind of did what Brock Lesnar did, you know, repeating last year's Raw uh, after Mania. But I don't see it as, oh, well, he had to have gone heel. He just lost the title, but he just lost at WrestleMania. What what um, credibility or what claim does he have to the belt, Pyro? I think it's the fans who have given him the credibility. I mean, yes, Ryback may have lost to WrestleMania, but, you know, he was the one who was standing after the match because he was the last one to hit a move on Mark Henry. Um, and the fans, I mean, I don't like Ryback. I think he's boring as heck because I'm not into the whole monster face deal. But, you know, I, at the same time, I can't ever ignore the fans' reaction. You know, it's the same reason why, you know, all three of us can't stand Randy Orton. And yet, even, you know, because the fans like him, love it or hate it, the fans are the ones who kind of have the main say. And um, as long as they're cheering for Ryback for the reasons they want to cheer for him, you know, because he's a monster, He's going to be a credible champion. Well, not to most of us, but he'll be credible enough that they might run with it. I mean, at this point, honestly, I'm not really that into it, but if 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 this means Ryback can actually, I don't know, eventually take the title or at least get Cena run for his money or at least let, you know, let us see Cena on his back for a little bit, then that'll be fine by me. Because the whole problem with giving the title to Cena in the first place is that this is 2010 all over again. You know, it's the same thing. And that is that is what I think is bothering the three of us most of all, that WWE hasn't changed, regardless of its promises. Um, you know, you called Cena the Hogan of today's era, and that's the problem. We're in this 80, or WWE 
is in this 80s mentality where you have to have this one guy who's above everything else pushing him to the moon while everyone else, like the Divas division, gets lowered on the uh, lowered in the on the card. And it's just boring. It's the same thing all the time. The reason we were perked up for Punk was because that was different. And the reason we've probably been a bit perked up over the last year is because Cena hasn't been on top, and that was different. But now it's back to business as usual. As uh, as the modern era goes, we took a step backwards with WrestleMania. We did. Uh, and, you know, we go from the being frustrated John Cena regained the title for whatever, the 11th or 12th time, to some head-scratching matches that... Actually, you know what? Before we get to the head-scratchers' uh, results, let me let me just say, when Del Rio retained the title over Jack Swagger at um, at WrestleMania, we all kind of felt that Jack Swagger wasn't going to win, especially after his little um, incident with the police back in January. And then finally, 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 the night after, not at WrestleMania, which we thought, even Pyro thought more than anyone, was a bad spot to cash in at WrestleMania. He cashed in in front of a hot crowd in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and Mr. Dolph Ziggler is your new world heavyweight champion. I know that Dave says that he's been booked the wrong way, and I, I agree with that, but for that one night, the crowd was hot. The match was pretty decent, being a three-minute a three minute match. You actually thought that for a second that Del Rio was going to have Dolph tap out. But Dolph is your new world heavyweight champion. I think that's at least a breath of fresh air. If if Cena is stagnant and 2010 all over again, let's give Dolph a run at the world heavyweight title and see where he can go with it, gentlemen. I absolutely agree, and I uh, I, I I won't say that I look like a genius because we're on DG. Probably everyone looks like a genius, <laughs> but look. You know, I mean, this is exactly why I predicted it. I didn't think they'd pull the trigger this fast, but this is exactly why I said they shouldn't do it at WrestleMania. We were talking about Cena Rock. We're talking about Triple H Brock. We're talking about Undertaker Punk. I didn't want Dolph to be in among that crowd, not because he's not worthy of it, but because why drown it out? Why would you drown out something that huge? And so last – wait, this is Wednesday. Two nights ago, um, you know, he wins the title – with, as you said, a ridiculously hot crowd and nothing else really happened on Monday other than Ryback kind of sort of turning half heel. So, you know, that's the headline, and that's what we can lead with, and that will be something huge to go into SmackDown with. And you're right, it is a breath of fresh air. He's been World Heavyweight Champion once, technically. But, you know, now he actually has a shot to do something with it. And as he said in his own promo, it's about damn time. And uh, hopefully we can see how he runs with it. And I, I'm really curious to see the uh, crowd reaction because I have a feeling that, you know, Dolph is not going to get unanimous, unanimously booed. No, he's definitely not. I think that, again, I think the Internet wrestling community has really just, like, kissed this guy's fanny too much. Uh, I'm not saying he doesn't have talent because he does. Uh, I'm not saying he shouldn't be World Heavyweight Champ, but I'm just not in love with the guy like everybody else is. Like, like Joe said to me, at WrestleMania when we were watching, and he said the best way to describe Dolph is Billy Gunn with Ric Flair hair. And he's got that Ric Flair crazy spaghetti string cheese kind of hair. Um, but aside from that, the reason that I... My problem with the booking of it is because Dolph has been losing match after match after match after match. And I go back to my original Steve Austin Bret Hart thing, you know, 15 minutes ago. The problem that I have with the WWE is the way they book these guys. Dolph, why is it that somebody like me or Joe, or Pyro, can know how to book a guy properly, he's been booked so weakly that him winning the belt doesn't give me any type of joy because he's probably going to job out, you know, lose the belt in some shoddy way. He should have been booked strong 
and then cash it in the night after Mania, and it's good to go. But every single guy who has ever won the Money in the Bank basically has been jobbed out, especially, you know, after Edge started doing it. They're all just have terrible title. Look at Jack Swagger's first title run. Um, look at CM Punk's first title run. You know, look at look at RVD's title run was cut short because of drugs, but, you know, a lot of these title runs have been non-existent because they give these guys the belt only because, you know, hey, let's have him look weak. It's the same thing with the mid-card title. How many the ICM and U.S. champ are booked like jobbers? Oh, well, they have the title. It's that same mentality of, well, at least they have a world heavyweight title shot, so, you know, he'll be credible. It doesn't make a guy credible. Dolph was on a roll, and then all of a sudden they completely obliterated him, and then now he's world champ. I just question the, the, the timing of it. Last Monday was a great night to do it, but if he had been booked strong, hell, he should have, they should have won the tag titles at Mania, and they should have had them you know, push for the past couple of months. But instead, Dolph is you know, basically a jobber, and then he gets the world title, so I'm not confident that the WWE is going to give him a nice uh, lengthy title run. I mean, what they need to do, because uh, SmackDown does fight Chris Jericho, that's his first challenger, they need to have him pay-per-view matches against Jericho, bring back Christian, have him the strongest face is Sheamus. Have him go over everybody for the next six months, and then you'll we'll see where he's at. Yeah, it sounds good to me, but we'll have to give him the chance first at SmackDown. So, I mean, and, uh, you know, I, I have some cautious optimism about this particular turn just because the crowd has been hot for, for so long. And, you know, WWE might try to force things down our throats, but they're not completely blind and deaf to what the fans want. So, I've got my fingers crossed the Dolph will have some kind of run. Um, I'm not in love with him in the ring as much either as the uh, IWC normally is. But, right, you know, right. breath of fresh air. I mean, anything is better than another uh, uh, Alberto Del Rio run or Big Show run or Sheamus run or, God forbid, an Orton run. So, no, you're, you're right about that, sir. And an interesting side note is uh, WWE.com posted an article today about every Money in the Bank person has with cast in has won. Try and... I don't know if you guys remember, but John Cena actually did not win, and he's the only one to have never won. So the WWE trying to rewrite history and make Cena look good because they complete they conveniently left out the fact that he actually lost his money in the bank cash, and I just wanted to throw that out there. But uh, back to you, Joe. Very interesting uh, that they would try to uh, rewrite history like that because, like you said, we know that Cena is one of the, is the only one to lose a money in the bank, you know, cash in um, head scratching. For me, uh, just uh, your thoughts on this. The Shield took on Sheamus, Randy Orton, and um, The Big Show. And, you know, we thought that this was the perfect time for potentially one of the faces to turn on the two other faces and then, you know, join The Shield. That didn't happen, and The Shield won the match, which was important. I think The Shield needed to win. But the thing that confuses me is that the next night on Raw, if you think they're going to make a statement and they're going to, uh, to make a statement, I think that they actually need to attack Undertaker and put him out of commission for a while since this guy doesn't only wrestle once or, you know, me and Dave want to wrestle more than once a year, but it looks like this guy's stuck to wrestling once a year until I, I guess he's going to WrestleMania 30. But, uh, you know, the Shield has to make an impact. They didn't make no impact. They won the match clean. There's no face, there's no face that turns on them uh, at WrestleMania. So explain all of that. To me, it's it's mind, it's mind-numbing. Um, I, I was okay with the angle only because, again, I'm an Undertaker, Mark. I like seeing him, so it looks like he's going to stick around. But uh, as Rick Sky at Online Onslaught pointed out, uh, the thing that you may not be seeing is that when now that you've involved Kane and Daniel Bryan into this, even though it's a three-on-three at the moment, um, it, it gives Kane 
an excuse to, or I should say Kane and Daniel Bryan, an excuse to face the Shield, and that will help get the titles off of them. I wasn't all that keen that they kept the titles at WrestleMania in the first place. So, right. um, you know, to me, I mean, as much of an Undertaker fan as I am, and I like seeing him, I think he's kind of ancillary to the uh, to to the feud. You know, this is really Team Hell No versus Shield. Let's get the titles off of Team Hell No, and then you know, give the well, Shield gold, and then we'll have something different. Well, what the Shield needs to do is they need to have the Jersey Triad rules where any of the three members can defend it at any time and give them a lengthy title run, which I would love, by the way, because they're all they're all talented. I mean, I definitely think Roman Reigns is the least talented. But Joe and I were saying that Taker should wrestle at least at the major pay-per-views. But if he can come into Extreme Rules and wrestle and it's three-on-three and, you know, you protect him because he's not wrestling as much, I'm I'm all for that. I'm all for Taker appearing on pay-per-views and wrestling matches. So if he's going to give us Mania and then all the, the month after that, then that's definitely a good start. So when you when you take, like you said, that, that feud and you get the belt, because I was thinking about this earlier in the week. Uh, I, had, I read Rick's article, but I just, you know, I wasn't really paying attention to that specific aspect of it. Um, you know, because you're going off the, off of Monday. But I thought to myself, man, if they can do what they did back in WCW with uh, Canyon, Bam Bam Bigelow, and DDP and have the three guys defending the titles, I would, I think that's great, and that's what they need to do to kind of kickstart, you know, some more of the, the tag division. So I, I would love that personally, especially considering the pedal run that these guys have had. I just feel like the Shield needs to do something because um, they're just kind of random and attacking people, and it's just this whole random you know, Mets versus them doing anything like at the beginning, they seem to be aligned with Punk. Uh, I agree with Joe. I think that somehow, someway, they need to do something with uh, with them, and they need to add another member or a leader or saw mouthpiece something. Because I mean, as talented as the three of them may be, there's just they're just three guys in who wear black and you know attack people right now. And this has been going on for I don't know six months or so. Yeah, and they're uh, they have the same problem that Orton uh, has. That he's just you know they're they're not interesting. I mean they're interesting in and of themselves in a vacuum, but they have no purpose for being there. They started talking about injustice, and uh, when they first appeared and started talking about it, I was hoping that would mean that we would see like them attacking faces and heels, acting within some sort of sense of code or whatever, uh, but. Yeah, you're right. They're just running around attacking random dudes for no apparent reason. They need to do something. Now, Pyro, yeah, I don't like. Yep, I'm going to ask you. To, I'm going to put you on hold for one quick second because, folks, this is episode number 150 between of Pure Gold with me, JB, and DG, and we welcome our first guest who would like to call in. We have Miss Anna Rodriguez. Anna, how are you tonight? Great. How are you? Dave, take it away. <laughs> oh, Anna, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, wouldn't be a special episode if we didn't have you on because you have been on every single one of our special uh, events, you know, uh, our one-year anniversary or two-year anniversary or 100th episode. And Anna, just so you know, you have the honor and the privilege of being the second most, uh, Pyro doesn't count, you know, no offense to him now, but he's been on our show, he's basically a part of the program in terms of the staff. But you've been on, this is your fifth time, and I was checking this out, that's a record. Only one other person has been on more than you, so, you know, we just wanted to to throw that out there. Super cool. Is it, really, is it the fifth time? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, it's quite the honor for you, I'm sure. I'm getting old. <laughs> I'm getting old on your show. <laughs> never, never. Listen, uh, Anna, so tell us, what have you been up to? You know, I know it's been it's only been a couple of months since you last appeared, but, uh, you know, since we had yeah. you on for a couple of minutes. Yeah, so, I mean, 
pretty much all the same things. I'm still modeling. I'm still doing a lot of consulting. In fact, um, one of my girls just won Miss Houston Teen USA, so that's pretty cool. Um, the latest, the newest thing, though, besides that, was I just finished filming for MTV Made. Oh, so wow, I was nice. Yeah, I was the coach on the show. There was a young lady who wanted to be made into a pageant queen, so um, that went really well. Obviously, I can't tell you the results of the show because it hasn't aired yet. <laughs> but, well, can you tell um, us how you got that gig? Like, how did you end up doing that? I actually had another um, friend of mine who was who did the same kind of consulting. He was on the show, a coach on the show, about three years ago, and... He referred me, and so I had to interview for the position, obviously, and I got it. So um, we filmed for about a month, and wow. I mean, this, this wrapped up at the end of January. So um, it, it was really fun, a different experience, but really, really fun. When you mentioned uh, filming, I thought you were going to tell us you were on some, some, a movie or a TV show or you know something <laughs> to that effect. Well, it's a TV show. It is. Well, but you know, like, a, like a, maybe a pilot or <laughs> a something. Series, you know, you're, a series. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. No, not yet. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't t- you can't give us the results, so why don't you just plug when the show is on, what time, what day? Do you know any of that information? I do know that it should be. I mean, they keep kind of pushing it. Um, they haven't set a specific date. I know it's going to be in May or June. Um, okay. But, I mean, I'll, I'll let... Um, David know for sure when um, when and if they give me a specific date, so um, you guys can can let everybody know. But I just don't have a specific date yet. I wish. Yeah, I did. I mean, we would definitely want to promote that, and you know, let the let the fans out there know you're going to be on. Uh, they can see on their on their television screens. Yeah. Like now, all you need to do is work on that pilot or a comedy or you know something. Uh, you know, maybe a, maybe a movie of some sort. I know. I'm thinking a a cool chick, or like um maybe Catwoman or something. The next Catwoman. So, <laughs> I'm not sure when, when, or you know, the next Catwoman would be. I mean, you, you, maybe who know who knows when that would be coming out. And I remember we had that whole the Dark Knight Rises, uh, you know, spectacular when you were when you were on the show oh, yeah. last summer. But um. You know, we'll see. We'll see where that goes. Maybe you know, Wonder Woman, or you know, possibly something like that. <laughs> right, right. I was Wonder Woman for Halloween, so who knows? <laughs> I, I think I think Joe dressed up as uh, himself for Halloween, but uh, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, that's scary. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty scary. <laughs> oh man. No. But you know, if you didn't make any kids just... cry, then you're not that scary. <laughs> well, just just his daughter. She's the only one that he makes cry. But, uh, you know, Anna, it, it, it really is great to have you on because, like I said, and like I was telling Joe off the air, I said, it's not a, it's not a special anniversary if we don't somehow scam Anna Rodriguez into coming on our show because literally that, that's the staple of a special event is you coming on for at least five minutes so we can say, well, you see, every episode, you know, other than the first one, has been some sort of special, you know, spectacular. So when you do get your, you know, big movie deal, whatever the case is, that will be another special episode. Yeah, well, I'm so honored. Thank you guys for always keeping me in mind. That's really cool of you guys, though. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's great to have you on because you're always so, you know, so kind, and you, you're always uh, such a, uh, you know, help to, to to have on, and it's always great to talk to you. And listen, uh, again, can't thank you enough, but the check's in the mail, 
and hopefully we'll be able to have you on again when you know when Joe's been fired and I'm interviewing replacements. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, guys. Y'all have a fun have a show. Have a wonderful evening. Okay, bye. Take care, folks. That was one and only Miss Texas USA 2011, Anna Rodriguez, third yeah. member of the of the Pure Gold team, basically. <laughs> right. And uh, before we get to Pyro, let's uh, take this brief time out for Anna to actually promote our show. Hey, this is Ana Rodriguez, Miss Texas USA 2011, and I want you to check out Pure Gold Radio at puregoldpg.com. You can listen in to their show every week with David and Joe. They are simply pure gold. And we're back, folks. We're breaking down the WrestleMania 29 card, and hopefully uh, after this we won't be talking wrestling for a long time, unfortunately for Pyro, but Pyro, you know, this is the peak of the wrestling season. After this, to me and Dave, uh, we get bored, and especially with John Cena being champion. But I digress. Uh, we were talking about the, uh, the, the Shield. We feel, I feel, Dave feels that they need a leader, somebody to speak for them, somebody to do um, just to make an impact, and um, that didn't happen at WrestleMania. You know, we didn't have Randy Orton turn, we didn't have Sheamus or Big Show turn. So, to me, that was a little bit, uh, fell a little flat. Yeah, business as usual, as I said, and that's been the uh, big problem with WWE lately. Yep. The um the the one match that that happened on uh, I believe the internet and the pre-show was the uh, the Miz versus Wade Barrett, and you had the Miz uh, re, um, win the Intercontinental Title. The thing that uh, maybe I'm over analyzing this, but he was able to put the figure four on. It's almost an homage, I think, to Ric Flair. The thing that confused me is that he wins it. The next night he loses it. Um, is is the Miz in the doghouse or is Wade Barrett on the rise? How do you have somebody win a title at a pay-per-view, not legit on the pay-per-view itself, but uh, you know at WrestleMania 29, and then drop it the next night? The only thing I can think of is that the, in, uh, the IC title was never meant to be, to, to, was never meant to change hands. Um, as soon as I heard that uh, Barrett and Miz was going to be on the pre-show, I knew Miz was going to win because if you're if you're got the first show of the night, it's on a pre-show. You need the crowd fired up. Of course the face is going to win just because you need to pop the crowd. But, you know, beyond that one singular moment, you know, Miz has been, his star has been falling ever since he turned face. So it really doesn't surprise me that, you know, really the title was probably never destined to be his in the first place. Yeah, that's good. No, I agree. You know, either that or they just don't know what the hell they're doing because it, really, like, it doesn't – not on WrestleMania. It doesn't make sense to give somebody the belt on the pre-show and then the next night switch it off. I mean, if it was a Royal Rumble, if it was some other pay-per-view, maybe, but not this one, guys. It just, it, it really doesn't make sense. I mean, I, I did, you know, it's funny Pyro says it because I did hear that the, the pay-per-view was plagued with uh, referee uh, inconsistencies or some uh, some box spots by the ref. So maybe Pyro's right. Maybe it was a mistake and they had to fix it. Yeah, maybe. Um, and then, you know, the car, the the crowd was announced as 80,676, second biggest crowd in WWE history to WrestleMania three. I thought that was a cool little nugget. I love when they introduced the crowd. The one thing that Dave and I discussed, Pyro, and I want to get your thought on this, is that, yes, it's cool to have this big arena, and the only gripe I have about WrestleMania 29, Dave says it too, is that it's four hours long. The crowd was absolutely dead for the last three or four matches. It seemed like they were not into any of the matches. Um, I think sometimes, or more, more times than not, if the crowd's into it, it really makes it for a great match. I thought the crowd was completely out of it. 
the uh, you know the open arena aspect of it really uh, kills it. On top of that, so yep. I think that that falls flat too. What are your thoughts on in terms of WrestleMania 29 in general? Well, uh, I agree with all that. Although uh, there was a uh, there was a uh, what was it? Oh, it was the video, um, the movie, uh, the true story of WrestleMania. And on that video, Chris Jericho mentions that uh, even for the wrestlers, it's kind of weird because they can't hear the crowd as well. But he likes the fact that they have an open stadium or an open arena because it gives WrestleMania a special feel. And the way he puts it, he, he says something like, if that's the price we have to pay for a special environment, then that's fine because it's a special event. So I don't mind that so much. Um, the four-hour thing doesn't even bother me either. What I think the problem is is WWE's pacing. They're, you know, they, all they do is they hammer you with video packages and hype packages and Giddy singing a horrible song and, you know, all of that stupid crap. Didn't they have a movie trailer toward the end as well for some stupid reason, probably because of The Rock? I mean, if they would actually put in wrestling, you know, then I don't think the crowd would be so bored. But, you know, well, by the time... And I mean, everybody knew Cena Rock wasn't going to be all that good, uh, and technically speaking. And you know, I, I think right, it was—I right. think WWE's bad booking more than the environment. Well, I, I, the reason that I don't necessarily agree with that is because you know, four hours is a long night, but when you have four hours plus the pre-show, so you're talking four and a half, five hours, the crowd is going to get tired. Look at the crowd on Monday. The crowd on Monday was electric. That you know, that crowd made the night. I mean, people were saying it's probably the best wrestling, you know, WWE crowd in years or maybe ever. They were so into it, and it was a cl- an enclosed arena. And yeah, I get what Jericho's saying, but at the same time, as a wrestler, you know, from what I've heard at least, because I've never been in the ring, um, you know, you you can pace yourself by the crowd, and when the crowd is is into it, you know, you're doing the right spots, you know, you're hitting the right things, and you can switch it up. When you don't have that, when you just have you know, whatever, and you can't hear, that's got to be harder for the wrestlers in terms of being able to, you know, call a spot or do something. Because you feed off the crowd when you don't have the crowd to feed off of. That's got to make it more difficult, especially, again, for the biggest show of the year, the biggest pay-per-view of the year. So, you know, I I get the special aspect of it, but as a fan listening at home, I mean, when Alberto Del Rio came out, to me it sounded like he he got no reaction at all. I don't even know if that's accurate or not, but it's got to be harder for them in terms of uh, how to pace themselves with their matches. Well, you know, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. I was going to say, that may be true, but, I mean, the way I think of it, the the, uh, um, the, the guys who are at the top of their game like Jericho, they can deal with that. They shouldn't need the crowd to be able to see the crowd. They should be able to look around and feel, uh, feel the energy of the Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I like the the idea of having it in a in a big arena like that. But if you have it closed up, like I think WrestleMania 30 already is going to be a hot crowd because it's going to be closed in. You're going to have the, you're going to hear the fans a lot better. I understand having it in New Jersey and New York area because it's uh, one of the hot spots of wrestling. But I just think that the the crowd itself loses it. And then you have uh, the other point I wanted to make was that you have so many different video packages that you don't even have a match. That um, that actually makes the pay per view, and that's the, you know even though it wasn't a match that we were looking forward to, you kind of feel bad for uh, you know the Road Scholars and the Funkadelics with the Bell Twins. Um, do you think that you know? Do you think minus all those video packages, probably, do you think that they um, 
the the fact that the one match that doesn't get on the card, you think that's a, a detriment to what how they the pacing, like your your point was? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, you know, you get rid of Diddy singing and you get rid of Fandango Jericho, which had no business being on the main card, and all of a sudden you can put you know more energy into the actual show itself. You keep the crowd interested. You don't give them a chance to be bored, or if you have to give them a chance to be bored. You know, you time all that crap to happen, say, between the two main events, give everybody a chance to run to the bathroom or snack, you know? Why would they leave this match before the main event, you know? Right. So, Dave, WrestleMania 29, Pyro is in the books. The road to WrestleMania is over. Now we begin a new story, a new year, and the new wrestling year. Uh, I'm not too optimistic, but that's just me, me being negative, I guess. Uh, Dave, any last thoughts before we get to our guest that's on there? Um, well... Um, I would have to say, no, I mean, you know, again, the last thought for me would be that the, I've always been a big fan of the finisher reversals, but Rock and Tina went so overboard that that was basically the entire match was just reversing a finisher into another finisher into another finisher. So it's almost like Rock and Tina had no clue what the hell they were doing. And, you know, for two guys who've been in the business for a combined, like, 20 years, that just that really surprised me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping that... Um, we'll be proved wrong, Cena won't be champ wrong, and, you know, they'll be able to make some new stars and, you know, continue with, with Dolph Ziggler and just make wrestling interesting because, you know, I'm beginning to buy in, and now that it's it's gone, I, I just, I got to tell you, I'm just not that into it anymore. Well, the mere fact suffer through Rock Cena 3, because remember, on Monday, Booker T mentioned that Rock gets his automatic rematch, so that means we're going to have to deal with the third match of them sooner rather than later, and that's not, you know, right, that doesn't right. vote. You're right about that. That may just be um, finisher after finisher after finisher and just 50 finishers. But, you know, and a side note, and again, I know we have somebody on hold, but um, I love the fact that the SmackDown general manager came out on Raw to make a match, which made absolutely no sense. Yeah, that uh, that already confused me. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to the season either, but, you know, it's what, what we do. Yep. Paolo, I just want to thank you for coming and spending a large portion of your time last week and this week breaking down WrestleMania. Uh, we do appreciate it, and if any news comes down the pike, you're always welcome to come on and report it. You are definitely a member of the family, and you obviously showed up on number show number 150. We do appreciate it, sir. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. We'll talk to you soon. Folks, that was Paolo Falcon of Online Onslaughts special reporter and a dear member of our family. I think he's like, what, honorary f- member number four behind Todd, I believe, sir. Of course, and then Anna would be number five. But, yes, uh, Pyro has been on so many times that, like I said, he's not even a guest anymore. He's like a third cousin that you, you don't want to invite over anymore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> now, switching gears from sports entertainment, WrestleMania, to something that's very serious, my alma mater, Rutgers University, uh, joining the program today is Caesar from the Extra Point from WRNU, Rutgers, Newark, my campus, the campus that I went to, talking about the Mike Rice situation. Caesar, how are you, and welcome to the program. Uh, thank you very much for having me, Dave. Uh, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Just uh, I'm glad to hear your show. Well, um, that's actually Joe. I'm Dave, the guy that you've been emailing. But, uh, you know, I'll take the credit. I'm sorry. You want to call us No, it's fine. You want to call us Dave. That's great. I mean, Joe's, Joe's not that great of a name anyway. Uh, Caesar, you know, we definitely appreciate you giving us a few minutes, and, uh, and of course, uh, we were honored, uh, I know I was, and Joe, of course, to get the invite to be on your program, hopefully we'll be able to make that work out uh, at some point, but, you know, being that you are from Joe's campus, as he likes to claim, uh, 
So we had you guys. Rutgers is always a hotbed of sports, especially since you know Greg Schiano took over the football program years ago. He's gone now, of course. Yeah. But that that kind of revitalized everything. But the Mike Rice situation, this has been in the news left and right. My wife is actually uh, an alumnus of the same campus, the one that you're currently attending and the one that Joe went to. So it's something that, you know, it, it affects us in different ways. And when you see what he did, when you see the video, it just it baffles me why, and again, this is just me personally, and I'd like to get your take, but if, sure. I, I, I forget, the, it's one of the assistant coaches, and I don't even think that's his specific title, but he was a former yeah, it, NBA player. Yeah, it was it was it was Eric. It was Eric. I'm sorry. So it was Eric Murdoch who presented the tape to them last. I believe it was last summer before he got terminated, which is that's another lawsuit pending for Rutgers because he got early termination. But he's trying he's trying to file a, a lawsuit for that for for early termination. But yeah, the the situation is pretty big. If just uh, just for you guys to know, the president Barchi, he actually came to our school, Rutgers Newark campus on Monday, and he wasn't. Uh, how can I say it? He wasn't well, well, um, well, um, sort of, he wasn't really appreciated. Like, uh, the students were really angry at him. They were protesting at him. They were uh, saying some nasty stuff over at Rutgers and work about him because he came over for a town hall meeting. So it wasn't really pretty for President Barchi. And the way he handled the situation, as you guys know, he saw the video last semester in December. And I guess since they got leaked out eventually on ESPN, they finally decided to act upon it. And Pernetti even admitted on the fans saying that they knew the video was going to come out. So even saying that, they still waited until, you know, the whole world saw it and then acted upon it. It's just, you know, it's a, from a bureaucratic standpoint, it's, a, a, it's bad leadership. They should have fired him from December. You're right. If you're going to clean house, though, and, and fire Pernetti and your uh, head coach, Mike Rice, why aren't you going to fire your Rutgers president as well? Why, how does he save his job? Well, I, yeah, obviously, you know, we've heard this for the past two weeks on multiple outlets. But so from what I heard is, you know, he's a new president. He came into term, I believe, this past fall semester. Oh, he took a go to the summer, but he officially came in, came in December. So they're saying, you know, he's a new guy. And I, and then the thing is, the board of governors support him. So you know, if the board of governors support him, then he won't he won't go away. That's the problem. If the board of governors didn't uh, didn't support this, then obviously he'll be gone. But it's all about you know people who. Are, the Board of Governors, you know, donators, the boosters, or they all have influence in this. So well, guess me. That you gotta look at about it. Yeah. Well, guess me, hey guys, and this is what I want to know, because uh, I'm listening to the fan yesterday, and they're talking about, well, no, I'm sorry, not the fan. I was listening to Adam Shine over on Sirius, and they were talking about the fact that Pernetti, who's leaving, you know, he's getting, not only is he getting money as part of his, you know, package, he, by, he's, by, getting, by, yeah. he's getting an iPad. What, 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 what kind of a... Who in the world says, "Hey, you know what? I'm leaving, but give me an iPad." That that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. The guy said so much money, he can buy his own iPad. Why does yeah, that have I've, to be included in the package? Exactly. Well, from what I, I read an article on ESPN, all that stuff is obviously for the Rutgers athletic department. So he was able to keep the iPad, I believe, a laptop, and they're still paying for his health insurance up to I think maybe a year or two. So two years. I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, for another, yeah. So they're still paying for his, you know, his expenses. And see, that's the thing. We don't know how that works in, in, in the sports world, but I guess it just shows, you know, I mean, like, you know, who's in control of the situation? You know, I mean, do, do they pay favor to some some people? But, um, yeah, I, I I don't agree with this buyout situation. I don't know why he's getting so much money. You know, he's the guy that, you know, that, that should have acted upon this back in December. Mike Rice was his big sign when, when he came in. He signed him knowing that, you know, that he would be successful, a coach over at Robert, over at Robert Morris. 
But yeah, right. it, it baffles me. I don't know why he has an iPad. You know, paying for his car allowance, whatever it is, it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, they're fired. If they're fired, then you know they're fired. You know, they shouldn't get any kind of benefits. Right, right. Now, Caesar, yeah, if you if you if you hear a tinge of uh, like resentment or anything, it's because Dave went to see and haul our rival. So, ooh, yeah. ooh, man, that's tough, oh, man. I, I actually I went to the Rutgers Scene Hall game last month over here at, at the Prudential Center, so that was pretty fun. Cool. Uh, but my question, my next question to you, Caesar, is um, what do if this tape was made in twenty was it made in twenty ten? First of all. So it was a compilation between 2010 up until 2012, but the video that came out, I'm not sure if it was recently, but it's a, apparently it's a whole compilation of, of, of his three years there. Okay, if if, this, if stuff happened in 2010, how come this wasn't resolved in 2010? Why was it kept under the rug? To me, it seems like there was a blackmail type of deal going on where if, you know, I'm not going to turn in this video to ESPN unless you give me a million dollars, all that aspect of it. Give me your take on that. You know, I I I believe you bring up a good theory. It, it could happen. Obviously, you know, it's Eric Murdoch who 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 had the film. It, it, could, it could be blackmail. It could be you know a pay increase, or it could be you know more power with the team. But like, yeah, I mean, like I said, this. I mean, when this stuff happens, sports scandals. You know, it's a very shady area. We only get certain parts of it, so we don't know the whole you know the whole spectrum of it. So like I said, I mean, I I agree with you. I think it's probably you know some kind of money motivation. He waited you know basically three years to come out with this um with this tape. But, you know, my my question to you guys is, and I think everyone thinks about this, you know, Rutgers basketball, I mean, no offense, it's not the juggernaut basketball program out there in the country. But of course. If, if this happened in Kentucky, you know, talking about your Dukes, you know, you know, your Michigan, your Louisville, will this, will this happen? If it happened at their schools, will they get away with this? Or would it be revealed? That's what I want to know. Joe, let me let me just chime in with it. I know Joe has strong opinions on it, and uh, we spoke about this the other day. Obviously, you can't compare it to the uh, Jerry Sandusky incident because it's totally different. Of course different. not, yeah. Completely but, different, yeah. But it is a cover-up nonetheless. So I, I could totally, and I don't know how Joe feels about this, I could totally see this having happened in a bigger program. Simply because if uh, uh, the, one of the biggest football programs on the planet, college football, Penn State, can cover up a sex abuse scandal, then why the hell couldn't a Kentucky or a Louisville or a Michigan cover up, you know, something like this, which is totally different uh, on a different scale? But, I mean, I think it's very possible to happen. But it just it baffles me. If I was a coach, and again, Joe, you, you'll chime in on this, but if I was a coach, and let's say Joe was my boss, and Joe is throwing basketballs or footballs at kids' heads. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to put up with that. Not once and not a hundred times and not for years. I'm going to step in there. If I have to lose my job, then so be it. But I'm not going to let a guy basically abuse, physically abuse children that I'm supposed to be supervising as well. And, I, and again, Joe, give us your take on that, sir. Well, uh, like Caesar said, uh, I, I don't think um, you could get away with it if you're a big school. But uh, but then I look at something like uh, what's going on in Syracuse and Jim Beheim. It seems like he's be, he's keeping his job, and I, I start questioning like like what is going on here? You have you're not being consistent. The uh, the NCAA is not being consistent. There needs to be an investigation, and I just think that um, at some at some point you can get away with some things, Dave, at, and and sometimes you can't with the severity of of Jim um, Sandusky, Jerry Jerry Sandusky, that all came out, and obviously uh, everyone really caught a lot of slack for it because it finally came out. Something like the Rucker situation, if it happened in Louisville, um, you know, if yeah. it's kept under the rung, I'm not sure that you know Rick Pitino loses his job. 
Yeah, I me mean, neither. And, and speaking about Pacino, you know, a couple years ago, he had a, a whole sex scandal. And he was the head coach there. It happened about two years ago, the whole, the whole sex scandal with some, some kind of assistant from Louisville. So he'll go there. And Mike Rice throws balls, you know, curses and, you know, derogatory um, homosexual slurs. And he's out in a minute. So, I mean, obviously, you know, in the past couple of years, Rucker has been in the news, you know, with uh, Tyler Clemente back in 2010, Eric Legrand back in 2010, and this um, – it's unfortunate situation again. It also gives us a bad name. I mean, for people who want to like, you know, either come here as a student or as a student athlete. So I just think it gives it gives us more of a bad name now that we have, and especially since we get no publicity on ESPN. <laughs> when it, I uh, it's bad. I it, taken, it makes it look bad. Yep, I've always taken uh, pride in Rutgers Newark, honestly, Caesar. Um, when I went to yeah. when I went to school at Rutgers, uh, we were known as the most diverse college in the entire world. I'm not sure. If we, and, we, and we and we still no, and we still are. Well, it came out last fall. It's been 14 years in a row. 14, good. Yeah, good to have that title still. Um, as, uh, <laughs> Caesar, let me ask you too. What do go ahead. You know, with the aftermath of Mike Rice being fired, what do what do you feel the the basketball program needs? Do they need a big name for a coach now that they're going to another division, or do you think they stick with somebody small again like that nobody knows? What do you think? Uh, well, like you said, they're moving uh, next fall semester. They're moving over to the Big Ten, which you know I'm glad to get killed by you know Ohio State and Indiana. I'll take pride in losing those teams because they're, they're good teams. But I go small. I mean, can you afford hiring some big time coach? How, how much you're going to pay him? Whether it be a million, two, three. I mean, I, I, I just I go a small coach this time. No big name guy. You know, someone small. Maybe the coach is looking for basketball. Who knows? <laughs> yep, true. But um, yeah, I mean, but my my solution is is the NCAA gonna get involved with this? I mean, should they get fined? Should the pro, should uh, should they um should they get more um I guess um maybe because of the president the way he handled the situation. But like I said, the board of governors have that choice about the president. I mean, they're the one that want him there for a reason. So I don't know. It's just, it's a messy situation. Um, I wanted his resignation, but I know he's not going away. Okay, Dave, uh, you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm still there. Listening to you guys go back and forth, I just you know, just yeah. uh, you know, listening to the the great sports talk here, sir. Well, yeah, know your role, seen all. Uh, as me and Caesar break down some uh, Rutgers uh, news and notes. Uh, I Caesar, try. I try. Caesar, just uh, in terms of your program, because you know we, we brought you on to talk about the Mike Rice situation. But what does uh, tell the audience on our show? Uh, what does your radio program uh, consist of? Okay, so yeah, like like you said, we're called WRNU. It's an internet station, so you can only you can, you can only hear us online. Okay. Uh, it's twenty it's twenty four seven, and uh, it's uh you know it's music shows, talk shows, uh, LGBTQ show, party music, and all that stuff. We're the only sports show on on, on the station. But it's twenty four seven. They can hear on WRNU.info. Uh, if you go online, you can see a schedule of shows. We unfortunately air once a week because of uh, you know classes and work and all that stuff. But next semester, we're looking to air twice or probably three times a week. Okay, and you're a communications major? <sighs> I wish I was, man. I really <laughs> wish I was. Well, I was just asking because you know the Connecticut School of Broadcasting is going to probably knock on your door in a couple of weeks or a couple of years. Yeah, I know. I actually had an epiphany. I, I'm a criminal justice major, but I wish I could have started all over again. I graduate this May, so I'm a little too late for that. Oh, that's not a problem. I mean, me and Dave have changed careers like three or four times over. Isn't that right, Dave? Yeah, well, uh, we're hoping that this becomes our career, but that's uh, that's neither here nor there. We can weep about that uh, when we're off the air. Yeah, so Caesar, uh, Caesar, as I, I don't know who's out in the storm out there, but uh, 
it's making for uh, some decent uh, ratings here. Uh, Dave, are you like uh, walking the, the the Sahara, or are you Caesar? Oh no, yes, I'm walking outside and it's getting very very cloudy and it's about to pour any minute now. Yeah, get inside, stay safe. Keep in touch with Dave, and maybe we'll we'll try to work out a time that we can actually come on your show, or we'll have you back on our show again. Of course, yes. Let me know, and take care, guys. Best of luck. Thank you, Caesar. Folks, uh, that was Caesar from uh, the Extra Point at WRNU, who either he was about to get mugged down there in downtown Newark, or he was going to get caught in some crazy storm. So uh, (laughs) that that, that was definitely kind of nuts. I'm over here. I'm in my house, out of my head home. It's my home studio. There's no static on this end, and I hear all this crazy stuff going on, and I figured it was all Caesar. You know, maybe he's uh, he's getting into a fight. Or, uh, who, who knows what's going on over there, sir? Well, I look out the window, and at this time of night, you know, with the, as we get closer and closer to summer, you figure the days are longer, and I'm looking outside. It feels like it's 8 p.m. and not 7 p.m., but, yeah, there must be a storm coming because uh, it got really dark really fast. No, you're right. I'm right by the window, and I can see that, so you're absolutely right. All right, so so we're not going to go all the way to seventh. Though. I do I do got some nuggets and notes about other uh, just some sports stuff. Get your take on it, and we'll close out show number one fifty. Um, just some quick baseball nuggets uh, on the Mets themselves. Mets um, had a great, I thought, a really nice win on Sunday. They were down the whole game. You figure they're going to lose two out of three to the Marlins, and I, you know, losing two out of three, I probably would have went on a rant on how the Mets, how can the Mets lose two out of three to the Marlins at home? But they're able to pull it out. They went two out of three. And they actually have a shot tonight to win two out of three. Those are my nice little things. You know, you win the series, you, you play, uh, you don't try to think of the big picture because you don't think that this team's going to be that good, sir. But you look at the Mets, they're winning series right now, and right now Harvey is the storyline. Harvey might be the real deal, and I, I'm excited to have him on the team. I think he's going to be really good. I totally agree, and I, I tweeted this, and Todd uh, retweeted it. If you don't like Matt Harvey, you are not a Mets fan. And people can say whatever they want about us being negative. Again, I think that we're more realistic than anything else. But Matt Harvey is the real deal like Evander Holyfield. This kid has the makeup. He has the guts. He has the arm. I mean, this guy, Joe, 97 miles per hour still in the seventh inning. You know, listening to him talk to, talk to Mike Francesi yesterday about how he wants, you know, you look at the best pitchers in the game. Mike asked him, is it important to you to go to the ninth inning? He said, absolutely. When I look at the best pitchers in the game, I look at their CGs, and that's what I want. This guy wants complete games. This guy, he, he has the stuff, he, and he has the mental makeup, and he wants to be the ace of the staff, sir. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. When you look at him, if Zach Wheeler lives up to any of the hype, sir, and if you throw in Jonathan Nish, you've got a pretty good one, two, three for this team. And, and I tell you, Matt Harvey, to me, is, is the guy that is going to be the ace of the staff for the next ten years. Well, what's interesting is why don't you tell the audience too, because you told me already uh, in our production meeting. Why do you feel? Because most people think that Wheeler is going to be uh, that that ace. Why do you feel Harvey's better than Wheeler at the moment? Well, I mean, the, the reason I feel that Harvey's better than Wheeler is because he's he's bigger than Wheeler. Um, again, his his attitude is different. Obviously, Zach Wheeler hasn't come up yet, and he hasn't you know we have he hasn't shared anything, but. Harvey already has it. Harvey has that killer fastball. Harvey has that killer instinct. Harvey is ready. You know, they were comparing him to Dwight Gooden. You look at his numbers, you look at his 19 strikeouts, 14 innings, you look at four hits, you look at this, you look at how he pitched last year. You know, he was 3-5. and five. He could have easily been like 6-2, and two, uh, you know, 7-1. and one. I mean, he's just good, sir. He's just that good. And, and I really believe that he is, is going to be the ace of this team. It's just a hunch. 
Again, I hope that Wheeler lives up to the hype, but, uh, you know, Wheeler was the highest, the more highly touted prospect, but when you talk about, to guys like Peter Gammons, who was talking with Mike yesterday, he was saying that people look at Matt Harvey like he's the real deal now all over baseball, and they think that he, he's going to be damn good for a long time, and they're impressed with him. And I think that if you're a Mets fan, you have to be riding high. Again, you got to, you know, temper that because it is the Mets, but at the same time, there's no reason as of yet to think that Matt Harvey is not going to be everything that he's cracked up to be, sir. And if you take it each series by series, you know, the Mets won the first two series, and they have a shot tonight to beat the Phillies and win a third series in a row. I mean, that's at least a positive start, if anything. You're right about that, sir. Um, let's give out the, the pure gold sixth stat of the night that you told me last night. I want you to tell our audience. Uh, tell us about our sixth stat of the night bet- of, of Doc Gooden. Well, what I was looking at, sir, on uh, Sunday, I stopped at Dad's house. We were watching uh, the game. They were starting in, in over a two-year span, and I believe it was from 1984 to 1986. Dwight Gooden was 35 and five, sir. Wow. He had like 12 or 15 complete games. I mean, it, it was it was a, it was the stats were disgusting. The type of stats you don't hear about. It's a shame because he was so good. He would have been one of the greatest pitchers ever if he hadn't gotten involved in drugs, sir. But man, those stats were, were they were insane. And as a matter of fact, as we're talking, I'm actually going to go. Uh, and, and try to look some of these up to see if I can if I can give you some solid numbers here, sir. Okay. Um, moving on, just one other baseball nugget. I mean, I saw Doc Holliday pitch last night uh, on Monday night against the Mets, and it's amazing how this guy has, I think, has completely fallen off. His fastball is not there anymore. His uh, his he was dominant only a couple of years ago, and all of a sudden now um, he he seems like he's a shell of himself, and I think his career. Might be, you know, he might be a year or two away from retiring. And Doc Holliday was one of your dominant pitchers. Him and and Cliff Lee, I thought those two guys were going to be a great one-two punch for them. You're right. Um, I mean, it's all mental in his case. I mean, I'm sure he's going to. I'm sure he's going to do great. I mean, this guy's he's good. I don't see any reason why you would think that he's not going to come back. I mean, I, I'm convinced that it's it's you know, it's a rough stretch that he's hitting, but I do believe he'll he'll come back, sir. Okay, switching some to a quick nugget because this past Monday was the men's NCAA championship. Great game, I, I got to see most of it. Louisville Cardinals took on the Michigan Wolverines, and um, it was a great match. Louisville won it. Rick Pitino is the first coach ever to win two NCAA titles with two different teams. So congratulations to him. On the women's side, you had the UConn Huskies once again winning the, the NCAA basketball women's title. Gino Ariama has now eight titles, believe it or not, and he's tied with uh, Tennessee's coach. She has Alzheimer's, ironically enough. Uh, but anyway, she has eight titles uh, with Gino. So congratulations to both those two teams. In terms of basketball, sir, you can ask for a better or a better end to the season for the New York Knicks at this moment. Winners of 13 in a row, and they're playing their best basketball, best time to be playing basketball. And it looks like, sir, great for PG, great for me and you. We're looking at a first-round matchup between the Boston Celtics against your New York Knicks. Sir, uh, your phone, I don't, or my phone, I don't know what it is, sounds absolutely horrible. Um, you mentioned Rick Pitino. <clears throat> Sir, I said this, Pitino has to have had the greatest day in the history of any coach. <laughs> yeah, in, right. In back. Sir, you know what it is to get elected to the Hall of Fame, to win a national title, and then to be the first guy to ever win a title with two different teams? I mean, that obviously has never happened before, but what, what a day uh, if you're Rick Pitino. But, Sir, I look at the Knicks. I look at the fact that they won the Atlantic Conference yesterday for the first time in 19 years, and I'm feeling good about this team, sir. 
I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be good. I honestly think that you know that they're getting hot at the right time. They've won 13 in a row, and I, I sir, I, I believe that um, you know this team may make some noise, and I think they may bump off your uh, your Celtics there in the first round, sir. I mean, I, I'm I'm worried to play the Knicks for the first time in a, in a long time. The one thing that happened last night, I'm not sure if you noticed, but uh, Kenya Martin, who's been a great uh, addition to the Knicks basketball team, which is, is surprising to say. You figure Kenya Martin is a great role player, a great bench player at his age, but right now he's you know he's really injected uh, some a jolt into the Knicks. But he hurt his ankle. He's out for the rest of the last four games of the season. Hopefully he heals up so that I don't hear any excuses from you when Kenny Martin is ready to play against the Boston Celtics in round one. Uh, sorry, can you repeat that again, sir? Again, your phone keeps cutting out. Is it my phone? I think it. I mean, it's not my phone. <laughs> All right. Can you hear me better now? Yeah. What were you saying, sir? Uh, I'm saying... Uh, Kenyon Martin has been a great uh, injection of life into the New York Knicks, and who would expect that considering how old he is and they picked him up you know, towards the end of the season. The one question I have, is, and he's out for pretty much the last four games of the regular season, is I just want him to be healed up. I want the Knicks to be as healthy as possible, minus Amare, who really needs Amare at this point. But I, I want your team completely healed up so that there's no excuses if or when my Celtics beat your Knicks. You're absolutely right, sir. Um, the guys definitely need to be – he needs to be healthy. Um, you know, again, Amari, hopefully he will never come back on this team. It's amazing, isn't it, sir, when you look at the Knicks, just the fact that – oh, by the way, uh, apparently Triple H was in a title match at WrestleMania because, uh, you know, the Yahoo article here says the wrestling superstar burned before a title match, and there's a picture of Triple H. So apparently Brock Lesnar and, and Triple H fought for the title. Um, but aside from that, sir, you're right. You know, it's amazing how bad the Knicks have been with were with Amari, and without him, they've just been a totally different team, sir. What are the odds you get a guy who was a superstar like Amari Stoudemire, and he just ends up being an albatross on the on the neck of this team, sir? That's amazing. And, uh, you know, speaking of uh, the whole, you know, I don't want to get into a rant here as we're winding down the show, but, you know, th- that stuff really annoys me because you figure somebody from Yahoo was uh, in our media se- uh, in our media chair at WrestleMania 29 where they have no idea what wrestling is about. They told about how Triple H was in a title match. We should have been at WrestleMania 29, even as bad as it was, to have somebody from Yahoo report that he was in a title match. That's just an absurd, it's just so absurd to, 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 make, me, to make me feel like we should have been there even more. Well, it's something that we talk about all the time, sir, how the WWE whores themselves out to, you know, these media outlets and these companies. And, you know, again, you know, we have – this is a side note. we got to throw it out there. You have guys like Craig Carter and Boomer Esiason who are doing their, their show on WFAN, and on WrestleMania weekend they're bringing in uh, Hulk Hogan and asking him about the Hall of Fame. And he well, – sir, how do you bring in Hulk Hogan, who works for TNA, to talk about WrestleMania 29? Can you explain that to me? He had to basically skip around that question like there was no tomorrow. I mean, Karn flat out asked Hulk Hogan, so I hear you're going to be at Madison Square Garden tomorrow night. And Hulk Hogan had this blank look on his face like, uh, I don't know what that's about, but I'm going to be at the Beacon, the Beacon, the Beacon Theater in Secaucus, New Jersey. So, I mean, that, that you're right. Uh, you have the WWE basically whoring themselves out to anybody and everybody where the true hardcore fans should be recognized like me and you. Yeah, you're absolutely right, sir. Um, and, and a side note here, I'm going to read this here from me, Wrestling News. Randy Orton threw what was described as a temper tantrum backstage at Raw regarding the crowd reaction from his bout with Sheamus on this week's show. You can also clearly see by his facial expressions during the match he wasn't happy. He was not happy about Ryback and Ziggler getting roles as prominent heels and is still pushing for a heel turn. 
turn. The original plan called for him to turn. Got to love Randy Orton because Randy Orton is truly the man. A guy like that gets all the pub in the world because he is awesome. Sarcasm, I mean, of course. Yeah, of course. Do you think they're just punishing him from you know with this whole drug uh, substance abuse? Do you think that they wanted to turn him heel and they just decided to like poo-poo it and give and keep him face because they're just doing something to spite Randy Orton? Well, you can't trust the guy. He's not reliable. You know, he's already been sub- he's already violated three times. But of course, they have to they have to sweep one under the rug. But um, you know, the guy is just. I mean, the crowd's losing interest, and you know, I think that it is what it is, Randy. You got to just deal with it. I mean, Dolph Ziggler is what's hot right now. People want Ziggler on the uh, on their TV screens. You know, just deal with it. Yes, Tiffy. Yep. Uh, let me ask you this: in terms of sports, as we're uh, breaking down the NBA, what do the the Miami Heat, the Denver Nuggets, the New York Knicks, and in hockey, the Chicago Blackhawks and the Pittsburgh Penguins all have in common? Um, no clue. No clue. It's been the year of the streaks, sir. I mean, you look at the, all these teams. These teams have had long winning streaks. I mean, the Heat, 27 games. The Nuggets, 15 games. The Knicks right now have a 13-game winning streak. And then in hockey, you know, the Blackhawks started the season unbeaten, not and you know, not basically losing a game but in regular time. But even they started unbeaten. And then the Penguins had a, a 11- or 12-game winning streak. So it's been the year of the streak. Which also tells me that these are the elite teams that can win championships. So, um, but aside from me being a Celtic fan, if the Knicks are playing the way they are, I think that they could give the Miami Heat a really big scare in the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, I hope so, sir. I mean, again, Carmelo is the godfather. And, <laughs> sir, if you have J.R. Sorry, if you, if you play that song for J.R. Smith and he's bombing threes from every which angle, I mean, why, why can't the Knicks make a run? Why can't the Knicks, uh, you know, scare the Heat, sir? I know the Heat had a, had a hell of a year, and, and, you know, overall they are a better team. But you just don't know, sir. I mean, who's to say the Knicks can't make some uh, make some changes and, and you know, lay, lay the smack down on some, you know, candy A's? I, I would say that, and you would probably agree with me, you saw more than me, but the, the most impressive win of the season might have been against the Oklahoma City Thunder this past Sunday in Oklahoma. You got to see J.R. Smith in action. Tell us about that. Sir, I got to see J.R. Smith bombing threes from every which angle. I mean, he, he, I saw the two kisses on the wrist. Switch. <laughs> Sir, I saw his teammates on the side, and they were like, no, 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 yes. <laughs> it, it was amazing. Uh, J.R. Smith is truly the real deal. I got to see the guy. And the best part of the whole thing, sir, is that I'm there singing this song, my dad has no clue what the hell I'm talking about. He probably thinks I'm popped up on some, some, you know, opiates or something, wondering, you know, what I've been on. But, um, I mean, it, it was awesome, sir. It was great to watch the game with with my dad. It was great to, you know, check check them out. And they looked good, sir. They looked damn good. And, uh, and I, I was impressed. I was impressed with the, the New York Knickerbockers and the fact that they were winning most of the game. And then, you know, they ended up getting you know, buried for a bit, but they came and they pulled it off, sir. They pulled it off, and uh, I, I got to give them much respect for that. This is a good team, and Carmelo is, is showing the kind of player that he really is. And I know that you're, you're never as good as you are when you're losing, uh, as bad as you are when you're losing, and never as good as you look when you're winning. But I think this is a good team, sir. And I'm not saying they're going to win a title. I don't think that they have that in them yet. But, I mean, if J.R. Smith follows him everywhere, he'll follow him to a title, sir. 
Well, it's always good to to have the local teams. Like this is my favorite one of my favorite times of year. Obviously, October is my other favorite time when you got football and the baseball playoffs. But right now, as we wind down the NHL season, the NBA season, the Knicks are in the playoffs. The Celtics are going to be in the playoffs. So it's going to be great for PG. We have a potential contact that we're in the works that we could possibly get some either current or retired guests from these teams. From uh, so. Uh, Pure Gold will definitely bring you some entertaining shows in the next couple of weeks. We hope to have uh, Mr. Ricky Otazu, if I'm saying that right, from the NWA, a splinter of the NWA, National Wrestling Alliance. And he does have some connections, so we'll have him on the show next week. We'll talk to him. We'll see what kind of guests he could get us because, like I said, this is the best time of year. And then you look at the, the basketball playoffs that are right around the corner. Then you look at the hockey playoffs, and you look at the my New York Islanders right now. They're having a, a renaissance year. They are uh, you know in the playoffs if the season ended right now, and they're just playing the best hockey of the three teams between the Rangers and the Devils and the Islanders. Right now, the Islanders are the hottest team in the tri-state area. And how great would it be for like at least two out of the three hockey teams to make the playoffs? We'll be really breaking down a lot of sports in the next couple of months. You're right, Jeff. That would be great if the Islanders can, can make a run and do something because anytime our local teams are in it, it just creates such an environment, sir. And, uh, uh, so are we going to get to what they think? I mean, uh, I believe that our, our special guest, mystery guest to you, will be calling in soon. Um, but are we going to get to what they think? Because we have to touch on the, on the they think, sir. We just we have to. Folks, DG asked for it. It's show number 150, Pure Gold. They stink! Oh, Dave, take it away. So, Folks, we are joined right now by somebody who has not been on the show in a very long time, the lovely and the talented Miss Arizona. USA 2010 Brittany Bell Brittany how are you doing this evening Hi I'm doing good I'm just coming I'm out in LA so I'm coming back from an audition today so I'm having a good day <laughs> Well audition that, that, that's pretty interesting anything I mean you know anything you can talk about did you get any any major film roles I mean you know are, are we getting a percentage of this I mean talk to talk to us about it <laughs> Um, I am currently just out there seeking um, work within within the film industry and within television. You know, with pilot season and well, it's pretty much coming. Pilot season is coming to an end, so a lot of things will be um, filmed right now, and it's just exciting because you go out, you just see what happens, and if you book something, you book something. But lately, I've been booking commercials, um, and that's a great thing also, and print work and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Well, no, that that stuff is is definitely great, um, Brittany. And of course, we thank you so much for joining us. Joe had no idea that you were going to come on, but uh, the the reason that um, I wanted to keep it a surprise because again, this is our 150th episode, and uh, I mentioned to you off the air that there was a little nugget that I was going to share with you, and I'm and I'm sure you had no clue. But the, yeah. I looked this up. I did the research. The last time you were on our program, my daughter had just been born, and uh, it was about a month and a half after she had been born. And she is now turning 18 months tomorrow. So it's been almost a year and a half since the last time you graced us with your presence <laughs> here on Pure Gold. And, of course, uh, you know, so much has, has changed for us and so many uh, different things have happened. And interestingly enough, my wife is pregnant again. Um, wow! So, <laughs> so maybe the next time you come on, you know, we'll be, we'll be talking about another kid. But... um. You know, again, it, it is it is great to to have you on the program uh, joining us. But again, it's been almost a year and a half. Tell us, other than the the uh, what we are doing today, 
what have you been up to? Because it, it's been so long. I mean, who knows better than you? Um, but, you know, share with the Pure Gold audience what has been going on in the life of a, of a former Miss Arizona USA. Oh, thank you. Well, first of all, congratulations on your child, your new baby that's coming. Um, really excited. If I come on tomorrow, maybe I'll give you twins. I don't know. I've got this weird thing going on where you keep having kids and I come on. <laughs> no, but um, I um, I have been just really just taking on my craft and um, acting. And what I've been doing is I've been really pushing on my skills within my improv and just going to acting um, workshops and really pulling in on this this talent that I really, really, really love. Um, and it's just really fun to become somebody else and to make people believe you and then to portray it in a story and evoke emotion out of people. It's so cool to me. And so what I've been doing lately has been working with a new – I have new management, which is awesome. I have been traveling the world on the side while I've been going out for auditions. I have been going out and doing commercial work. I did – um, a commercial that aired in Canada. I did a commercial that aired just virally, but it was um, it was for Yahoo.com and just a bunch of different things. And it's been really cool because um, it's a platform for me. It's an ability for me to get in a stronger public uh, stronger public visibility. And on the side from that, um, I booked work about right around the time I was on the show last time. I was doing the World Poker Tour, and I couldn't tell you yet, but I told you, look out, something cool is coming. And um, I did, I'm in my second season with World Poker Tour right now, and it's been awesome. I just came back from Italy, actually, and it's been really cool just traveling the world with the World Poker Tour. Now, is the, uh, has the World Poker Tour um, – I, I, I rarely see it on TV, so uh, do they televise their, their final table still, Bernie? Yeah. Yeah, they're the well, they broadcast on Fox Sports Network. Okay. So they broadcast um each Sunday. So you'll get to see a different portion of each stop on a Sunday. It's usually broken up into about three different segments because if you sat there you'd watch for like six hours if you're if you're watching the actual live table and that would be way too long. <laughs> but um yeah, they broadcast every Sunday on F S N and you'll see us there we showcase the venue and that's my job on World Poker Tour is to showcase the venue. So we come in, for example, Venice, Italy. We go there and we did a gondola ride. We made gelato. We get to pretty much be like the travel host, and we're the event ambassadors. So we make the event more than poker, and we make it fun for people who are visiting but not playing poker or for the players who bust out and they want to do something while they're there. Nice. And are you a good poker player? Um, I feel like I'm pretty good for a woman. I mean, a woman not, not I don't want to say for a woman, but for a woman who just learned poker, yes. <laughs> well, well, good, because, like, I think women and men can play on equal, uh, on, on par with each other, because I believe two women made it almost to the final table of the main event last year, so, yes. Yeah. It's good to know that you play poker and you play it well. I'm sure that we would probably take a Dave's uh, daughter's college fund if we played him. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, uh-oh. <laughs> You know, considering uh, I'm not a, I I played poker when I was a kid, but you know that's a different a different type of poker. That I don't even know if it's, it's legit for maybe some like Puerto Rican underground poker that I used to play with my dad. But um, you know, I, I found it fascinating because Brittany, like you said, you know, you you back then, you know, we were keeping in touch more. You did mention to me about the World Pro Poker Tour, and um, you know, I thought that was pretty cool because again, my co-host is a huge 
poker fan, you know, and, and we actually had a guy who won um, the World uh, was it the, the World Series of Poker uh, back in '05, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, that was that was an interesting show because uh, you know, somebody like me who doesn't know poker, and somebody like Joe who's, who's nuts about it, you know, to the point where uh, I'm sure you'll find this interesting, or maybe you'll find this kind of weird, Brittany, But Joe has Joe's Italian, and uh, although my dad thinks otherwise, but Joe has family in Italy, and what he does, he goes, uh, you know, back and forth whenever that is, whether it's every year, every other year. He has this whole like tournament with them, and he'll like put up. Uh, he's got he's got a collection of belts, like uh, wrestling belts, and he'll put them up, and you know, if his, if his uh, cousins win, they'll get the title, and you know, he has all the uh-huh. World Series uh, title, um, like the champion bracelet and stuff. So Joe, Joe, I'm pretty sure that. He's uh, mortgaged his home once over uh, playing poker. Uh-oh, you got to be careful. <laughs> I'm glad that uh, episode 150 was, um, you know, my roasting, apparently, because uh, I had no idea that all that information was going to come out. <laughs> I now am thoroughly embarrassed. But, Brittany, let's get back to you. Is there anything that you're working on in uh, you know, in the next couple months? <laughs> in the next couple months, um, right now I'm just trying to – Hopefully, we'll see what happens. Anything that happens, I can't speak of if it's um, contracted because they have to release it themselves. So there is something that may be in the works that I can't speak about that should be pretty cool, and it would involve television. Um, I am working on something huge, and it's with um, a former Miss Wyoming USA 2010, Claire Schreiner. She is my business partner, and she and I are um, developing a makeup line, and it's called Be Blush. And right now we write in a, ma- a digital magazine called Revere Magazine, and it's an online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Revere Magazine. You can find it in your um, iPad app or iPhone app, and it's online. And you can see that we write makeup tips on there, beauty tips, skin tips. And I know this is for more of the female viewers, unless you've got male viewers that wear makeup, but I doubt that. Um, <laughs> but for the men, for the men that want to gift their women with, you know, women like feeling good and feeling attractive and enhancing something that they've got, especially being in the pageant. So right now we're working on launching that, hopefully this year, but we're just building our business plan right now and everything's in the works. Now let me ask you this, Brittany, totally just, you know, uh, is there is there a potentially possibly a Mr. Uh, Brittany Bell out there somewhere? I mean, have have you have you met anybody, or is that just uh, are, are you focused on just making your millions and then you know going from there? Oh, the mystery question. Um, actually, yes, there is somebody that I am dating right now, um, and he is and he's very very wonderful um, because. He's also in the entertainment industry. We don't really put our business out there out for the world, but we um, we are very, very big on um, maintaining a very healthy and loving, God-focused relationship, and it's been really, really awesome. And I, I hadn't dated anybody because I was so focused on just my relationship um, with God for, I, I it's been like five years since I had a serious relationship, a serious boyfriend. And so, uh, yeah, it's just pretty new and fun. <laughs> that, that that's great, and I said that I wasn't I wasn't planning on uh, asking that. I just figured I'd throw it out there. You know, I, I kind of expected you were you give a standard like uh, you know, oh no, and you know, I'm focused or whatever. But it's kind of cool that you you went in the uh, the opposite direction. But um, you know, listen, we're, we're happy for you and all that professionally and and personally, of course. And of course, we just uh, thank you so much for joining us here because uh, you know, on this show we talk about anything and everything, and 
I know we're getting we're getting close to the uh, the end of the program, our 150th episode. But we thank you so much for joining us. As uh, you know, I am on my home personally, and I see my my uh, daughter right now, you know, roaming about and uh, wondering, you know, what what daddy's doing. But um, listen, you know, thank you so much, and of course, uh, much continued success to you. Hopefully, uh, you know, everything will work out the way that you. Well, I mean, it will because you're putting God first, and um, you know, success in the makeup line. I'm sure that Joe's wife will will be ordering up plenty of that. <laughs> Good. We'll have to, maybe maybe we can give her a little bit of a maybe a gift bag or something. I'll send it her way. Oh, there you go. Pure gold, uh, pure gold package. Brittany, uh, again, it's a pleasure, and hopefully, it won't be another you know two years before we speak to you again. <laughs> Hope to talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you for coming on. Uh, take care, and you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. You also. Bye, guys. Bye, Brittany. Take care. Folks, that was Miss Arizona USA 2010, Brittany Bell. And sir, I had a I had a quasi uh, brain fart there because it had been it had been such a long time since uh, you know we had her on. I actually almost I almost forgot which year uh, she was because like, as you know we had three different uh, Miss Arizona's on there. Yes, sir. Um, and you had me play day stink sing, uh, a day stink well, fight. <laughs> uh, let, let me just clear that up. What happened was. Um, on my end, I, I have the, the blog talk radio open, and all of a sudden I saw two numbers at the same exact time, which are Brittany's numbers, and they popped up. But it was like it was just two different people were calling from the same line. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it went back to one, and she was on the air, and you had played that they stink. I didn't know she was on when I said it because I did want to do what they stink, um, you know, before we close out the show, sir. And do you know what, who I'm giving the they stink to? Um. I I I I don't know. I mean, there's so many you could give out to right at this point. Well, I'm gonna have to give it to the WWE, not only for WrestleMania and everything else, sir, but for the fact that they touted the entire weekend about how WrestleMania was from New York and New Jersey. And sir, the last time I checked, WrestleMania was in New Jersey. East Rutherford is solely in New Jersey. It is not a part of the state of New York. And that was annoying as can be, sir. That actually drove me nuts. And and I, I got to give a huge they stink to the WWE because they made me sick with the fact that, you know what, sir, there is no New York, New Jersey. They're two different states. Why does New Jersey have to be the only state, the only state that doesn't even get its own, you know, credibility it doesn't get anything it's oh well it's two different states and let's let's give it up to both of them no new jersey different states there different states yeah i mean same thing with the super bowl that's coming up they make it seem like it's going to be in new york city because all the events are happening there but as far as i'm concerned the super bowl is going to be here in new jersey in east rutherford new jersey so no absolutely you know i gotta give that to the wwe because the whole weekend they're touting it. They're talking about it. They're saying how great it is, WWE, uh, you know, New Jersey, blah, 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 this and that. And, and that drives me nuts, sir. It drives me absolutely nuts because this is it's a separate state, you know. And, and I've never been a fan of New York. I think anybody who knows me, sir, knows that. But that really just annoys the, the pants off me, as it were. Safe to why say. Yeah, we, we, we can't get respect. Why, why can't New Jersey get respect, sir? <laughs> well, like you said on Sunday, the, we're the armpit of the United States, and you know you could have gave the WWE they stink on many other things, and I agree with you. Uh, that whole New York City thing is uh, absurd, but sir, we're, we're definitely in the overrun. So I just want to also mention that the Masters is this Sunday. I think Tiger Woods 
will be back if he wins the tournament. Um, I think he has a good shot, so we'll see what that happens. Happy birthday once again to Todd. Hopefully, uh, the next couple, you know, show. Yeah, it's Todd's birthday. Uh, Hans, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, what would be the odd? uh, What are the odds of Todd and Hans both being born on the same day? Maybe that's why they're both so so horribly boring. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say happy birthday to Hans, and we're going to hopefully have Todd on in the next couple of weeks, in the next week or so, to talk about the NFL draft after that takes place. And then hopefully we'll have a um, a guest. You know, next week we'll, we'll definitely have Ricky Atazu either in studio or calling in, talking about the NWA. His, um, he's an owner and promoter. Talk about any guests that he could get us. And also want to thank, obviously, from today, Pyro for talking WrestleMania 29, Anna Rodriguez for calling in, and Brittany Dawn Brandon calling in on episode number 150. Sir, take wait, it home. Wait, Brittany, Brittany Brandon called in? I thought it was Brittany Bell. I mean, I, I guess I, I have them confused. I mean, I thought we were talking to a completely different person, but apparently, uh, you know, that's not the case here. Yeah, Brittany Bell and no uh, Master Alicia, unfortunately, tonight. No, no, she she was unable to call in and. You know, again, like you said, just thanks to all of them. Just a great job, and it's just a pleasure to have these guests on because, uh, you know, they, they owe their fame and their fortune. The fact that these people are successful, they do owe it to us. Let's be real. If they had, hadn't come on our program, they would be nowhere in life, and, you know, we just have to throw that out there because pure gold makes everybody successful except for me and you. 150 in the books. Hopefully we'll bring you another 150 shows in studio. Hopefully, definitely, maybe, obviously. Yeah, hopefully, and hopefully we'll be getting paid for these 150 episodes. But, sir, it, it was a pleasure. Uh, you know, we'll be back, I'm sure, uh, you know, next week in studio. It just wouldn't be pure gold if it wasn't for the fact that when a special episode comes up, something goes wrong and we're not able to do it where we, where we should be doing it on a regular basis. Agreed. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. Again, as Joe said, thanks to everyone who called in today. Uh, thank you to, to you, the listening audience, and, you know, we always appreciate you, and if you'd like to get in touch with us, puregoldpg at yahoo.com. Check on our website, puregoldpg.com, where you can see, uh, you know, the greatness that is this show. And check out our radio station at ir1640amradio.com. JB, a pleasure. Yours, of course. And as we leave you all with our sound bites, um, you know, it's just uh, it's Pure Gold, episode 150. We've had an amazing number of guests, so we're up to 89 and uh, here we go. What's the name of your show? Uh, pure Gold. Pure Gold? Yes, sir. I got two words for you. Pure <laughs> Gold. You guys are awesome. Yes, we are. Thank you, everybody. God bless America. See you next week. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.